time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. It's time to talk about crowdfunding and in particular Kickstarter.com. Welcome to episode 241 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. This week I have a special guest in Tyler James from ComicsTribe.com who also does the Comics Launch Podcast, which is celebrating its milestone 50th episode. And it has contributions from an unprecedented 50 guests, some of which we'll talk about during our discussion. The name of the 50th episode is Crowdfunding Comics and Graphic Novels on Kickstarter and Beyond. And we get into a little bit about Kickstarter how it functions now and how it may function in the future, important tips that he gives as to having a successful campaign, and other things about Kickstarter, as well as his history as a comics creator. He's got a lot to say about all these different subjects, so I'm sure you're going to want to listen. There's a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. I'm talking with Tyler James, creator of the Comics Launch Podcast, really uh, one of the folks on Comics Launch Podcast, and they released something I think that's really interesting called the 50 Outstanding Creators Share Their Top Kickstarter Tips on the Podcast, and I don't usually talk to other podcast folks, so Tyler, you're a first. Is that right? Well, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I, I, in addition to podcast, I am a comic book creator as well. So uh, it's not 100. I'm not, uh, I guess I, that wouldn't be violating the, uh, the the Wayne's Comics podcast oh. uh, credo by having me on. Okay, now you've got me curious. Now, what comics have you worked on and what have you created? Well, I'm the publisher of Comics Tribe, which is a uh, small press publishing company that has worldwide distribution. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, on the comics, pri- some of the comics tribe books that I've done include the Red Ten, mm-hmm. Oxymoron, um, upcoming Counter Terror. I also wrote a book called Epic, and uh, and then I'm the publisher. So everything that we've published over the past, uh, we're in our sixth year now. So uh, that uh, I, I've sort of had my had my finger on a little bit of everything there, but. I've read Oxymoron. I've actually downloaded some of the digital copies of that, which is a scary book, I've got to tell you. It's really something that uh, it gets me. You know, it's funny. I never liked horror until the last several years, and now maybe it's because the real life has gotten more horrible. But <laughs> horror books just have an appeal to me. And I really liked Oxymoron. Very, very different comic. I, always, I love something that's a little different that, that uh, challenges my thinking. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a book that, um, it was a a character that I created a while back. Um, and he was a character that sort of played a minor role in my first series of the red 10, which is a superhero murder mystery. Um, but everybody, but he's a character spoiler alert in that series. Uh, he's a character who is dead or appears to be dead in the very first issue. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, Oh my God, you killed off the best character. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but wait, (laughs) it's the world of comics. So dead is dead. Never, never necessarily has to be dead. Right. Right. Um, and so, you know, we've I've, I've done a couple iterations uh, of the character. Um, actually, had an anthology series where I let um, uh, t- ten different creative teams um, work with that character and just give me like a, a, a twisted supervillain story uh, using the oxymoron character. And that was that was actually the first Kickstarter project that I ever funded uh, mm. myself. Okay. Um, the first time I went to Kickstarter, and that really kicked off my. Uh, passion and uh just interest and uh wanting to know as much as possible about the kickstarter platform it all really started with oxymoron so we sort of come full circle to uh mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the topic of the show today uh mm-hmm. wayne but um but yeah i mean so, so i've been creating comics myself since i was about 12 years old wow. um i you know I, I first started selling them and and out of my backpack in high school very proud of that See, so you've been making books for a long time. What comics did you sell out of your backpack? Uh, the first comic that I did was sort of it, my my take on a, a 90s era anti-hero. Uh, it was called Upset, and he was a uh, – he was like a, a mutant uh, assassin who had luck powers, so uh, just everything would go his way. <laughs> uh, and uh, and so that was uh, my very first comic that uh, that I put out in the world. Did about three issues of that, uh, and and I had put in about uh, probably a hundred to two hundred pages of comics uh, before I I left high school, wow. um, which is. Uh, you know, in in some ways, it was an advantage because you know that the when you when you put in that much time, mm-hmm. um, and and that's really what I did. You know, after school, you know, I, I do I had a couple sports and I had a pretty pretty active social life in high school. But but uh, the thing I was probably most passionate about uh, was creating comics and telling stories, and mm-hmm. I did that um, you know pretty religiously uh, between twelve and eighteen, mm-hmm. and uh, and then. Uh, College happened, and after college, work happened, and I dropped it completely uh, until I was about 25, and uh, and there was just a, a creative void in my life. And on a whim, I took a uh, a script writing class, a comic book script writing class taught by A. David Lewis, who has sort of gone on to be Eisner-recognized uh, writer and and done done a lot of great things in addition. So, I, but but at the time, I didn't realize. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't, wasn't familiar with them. And that script writing class really reignited um, my passion for creating. And I, I sort of got back into it. And uh, I've been sort of steadily taking it more and more seriously ever since to the point where now Comics Tribe, like, I mean, we've we've put out about uh, a quarter million <laughs> copies of our books worldwide now and uh, and just have continued to plug away and, and built some pretty, pretty great characters and some great brands. And, and we're continuing to build on it. Um, so, but, but Kickstarter was definitely a, one of the sort of pivot points or one of the, the milestones or game changers that enabled us to go from sort of where we were, which was really, you know, low level, only a few channels that we were even working, basically the convention circuit mm-hmm. and selling a couple books online 
uh, to um, the Kickstarter channel, which also one of the things the Kickstarter does, which doesn't get enough credit, is it, it's an influx of cash and capital, mm-hmm. which is very hard to get a hold of. And, and cash for any business or, or any creative on, uh, endeavor Cash is oxygen. Cash is blood flow. Cash keeps you alive. And so uh, by by getting a big influx of cash with that first Kickstarter that we funded, which was uh, like we were actually shooting for $8,500 and we raised 26000 on the first Kickstarter that I ran, mm-hmm. um, that enabled us to not only produce the book – but also we had cash on hand, so then we could go get into diamond distribution mm-hmm. um, and you know fund some print runs of, of a couple series mm-hmm. and uh, just keep the ball rolling. And and so um, I really do look b- back at that uh, that 2012 Kickstarter as um, as as a, as a pivot point and everything else that's come since then, which is expanding into multiple channels like Amazon or Comixology or uh, and then I mean we've even done some foreign licensing. We've had some media uh, looking at uh, licensing the media rights and options and for for some of the books that we've done and merchandising. We've gotten done in toys. So like all this stuff is sort of <laughs> spiraled mm-hmm. out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, initial success on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and as a result, um, some of the question, the, the the most questions that I end up getting from fellow creators that saw what we did on our first Kickstarter and then subsequent Kickstarters, and they've sort of you know uh, mo- the bulk of the questions that I get were were Kickstarter related, mm-hmm. um, and so I had been someone who on comicstribe.com in addition to talking about our books we were really also putting out a, a lot of resources for creators for writers for artists for self publishers really sharing what we were learning mm-hmm. in this process of of going from absolute nothing to trying to have a career in comics um and sort of doing it the independent route um so we were sharing everything that we were learn, learning but what i was finding was that i was getting just a disproportionate number of interest in the stuff that i was putting out around Kickstarter and then also, you know, just questions at conventions and everything, Kickstarter, Kickstarter, Kickstarter kept coming up. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I decided, you know what, I want to, uh, last year, I want to go deep onto the subject of Kickstarter and, and co- uh, specifically or, or with a focus for comic creators and just sort of create the ultimate resource for creators, uh, interested in kickstarting their comics and graphic novels and so that's really what comics launch set out to be mm-hmm. and uh and and i believe uh is right now so uh that's the comics launch podcast and as you mentioned earlier we celebrated our 50th episode last month and for that i reached out to 50 creators uh who have all had successful kickstarter projects and we're talking everyone from uh you know industry uh mainstays like Greg Pak, who, in addition to his great Marvel and DC and other publishers' work, has also uh, had tremendous success on Kickstarter for his own independent stuff, Mm -hmm. all the way down to a 16-year-old girl who uh, funded her first Kickstarter uh, uh, earlier this year, and uh, and, and everything in between, and just had every one of those creators share their uh, number one uh, Kickstarter tip. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and shared that on the podcast and uh, and so so yeah it's it's been a, a fun year. Okay, <laughs> now that. let me. I, I want to start with the real basic stuff because some folks may be listening and they hear Kickstarter but they don't know what cr- that or crowdfunding really is. Do you want to give like an explanation of what that is? 
Sure. So crowdfunding is the big term, right? Crowdfunding is a much a much broader term, and that really uh, applies to anything uh, that is a uh, a way to raise funds for an endeavor, and uh, and. And and you do it by the crowd, and 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 that could mean donations of of a dollar all the way up to you know millions of dollars. Uh, most of the, uh, for example, uh, political elections could in, uh, could be considered crowdfunding. Hmm. Um, and so th- so crowdfunding is a very broad term. Uh, Kickstarter is a a crowdfunding platform and is the biggest crowdfunding platform. Um, and Kickstarter has a couple limits on to what they actually crowdfund. So Kickstarter is for uh, specifically for creative projects. It's it's crowdfunding for creative projects. So writers, artists, game designers, uh, video producers, musicians. Um, those are that's where Kickstarter. That's the niche that they're focused down on. on. Uh, what it's not is things like charity. Or um, there are other crowdfunding sites that actually will give up equity in your company. So hey, you know, give me a hundred bucks and you own, you know, uh, a fraction of the of the company. Uh, Kickstarter. That's that's another thing that that's, that Kickstarter does not uh, allow. So um, where we where we stand right now, um, Kickstarter is is fun, well over uh, three. Uh, well over two billion dollars have been funded for, on Kickstarter overall, and more than forty-one million. And I, 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 it's been a, a couple months since I've checked the the, the data, but more than forty-one million dollars has been successfully raised for comic projects alone on Kickstarter, <laughs> which makes it and and and. Um, while occasionally you'll you'll see the headlines of these big sort of six. Uh, Six-digit kickstarters for for the big web comics out there, or or name kickstarters. The vast majority of that forty-one million dollars that's being raised is going to uh, smaller uh, creators with smaller audiences, uh, and creators like I think a lot of the people that listen to this podcast, Wayne, mm-hmm. uh, creators like us. That uh, and so. In that regards, Kickstarter has been an absolute game changer for independent creators. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I often on my podcast say that I wish we'd had Kickstarter come sooner because I imagine all the stories that we lost because people could not generate their own comics like they can now. Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting world that we live in. Um, I mean, I, I think things have never – it's never been easier in terms of – uh, accessing the information that you need to be successful as a creator. At the same time, I think the competition has never been uh, <laughs> has never been greater, right? Because the the the, the gatekeepers are are steadily uh, disappearing, and so it's really about you taking the initiative and taking the admi- uh, and just actually doing the work and getting out there. Um, and what I, I think one of the things that I've always done that's that's both a strength and a weakness. I think for me is that I, I've never been able to just focus on one thing. Mm. You know, like mm. like in 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 I, I like having my hands in a lot of pots. Mm. I like having a lot of things going on. And over the past couple of years, I started to to realize that the books that Comics Tribe was publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, from a quality standpoint was getting to the point where 
these books were, were, you know, winning awards and getting, you know, regularly eight, nine, tens and, and showing up on the, you know, high profile websites as like picks of the week and stuff like that. But the sales <laughs> that we were, we were achieving mm-hmm. were not matching the quality. And so my, and, and ultimately that comes back on me as the publisher, mm-hmm. right? It, mm-hmm. If our books are good and people are loving them and everybody that reads them keeps coming back and reading them, but our sales are still flat or not, or not taking, taking off mm-hmm. that comes back to the publisher. And so I've spent a lot of time over the past couple of years, I've actually pulled back a little bit from the creating and I've been writing less and, and doing stuff and just focusing more on really getting a better understanding about how this world of like, like how to market and how to sell this stuff mm-hmm. uh, and do it in a way that uh, still brings me joy and, and still, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm doing service to the world of comics. But I've been trying to share a lot of that and a lot of those lessons learned on the Comics Launch podcast because what creators are going to find is that, you know, the, the skill set that it takes to create a great comic mm-hmm. and the skill set that it creates that, that it takes to sell a comic mm-hmm. – there's not a lot of overlap there. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so if, if, but, but to have an outstanding sales success, you need to have an exceptional comic that is exceptionally marketed. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of creators out there that, um, that can make great comics. I mean, I think the quality of comics overall is as high as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, but, especially in the independent world, the marketing is it falls short a, a lot. Um, but one of the things that the Kickstarter platform just does and, and has built into it is so many elements that even if you are a crappy marketer, mm-hmm. uh, there's just some, some sweet sauce elements of the Kickstarter platform that I can talk to that just make it so much more effective than simply putting your book up for sale online. Mm-hmm. Very good. Now, I, I've heard a, a fact, or at least a statistic that came out, that said that after Marvel, the number one comics producing platform was Kickstarter. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. I I've, I saw that there was an article that sort of tried to make that case uh, on Publishers. Um, uh, I think it was Publishers Weekly that I saw it. Um, I mean, the Kickstarter itself is not a pub. It's not a publisher. I mean, it, it, and so um, it's a bit of a false equivalence. But the reality is, uh, I mean, I, like if you looked at at Kickstarter as a funding source, mm-hmm. I can tell you. Uh, it's probably the most significant funding source for independent creators by far. Mm-hmm. And, and even when you're looking at like digital co- comics sold, right? Um, I've made a lot more money, even though we have a whole bunch of books on Comixology and, mm-hmm. and Comics Tribe's a featured publisher on there. Mm-hmm. And those books are available, um, y- you know, year round at all times. Like mm-hmm. I've actually made more money selling digital comics on Kickstarter platform than we have on the Comixology platform. Hmm. Um, because where as Comixology takes 50%, Kickstarter takes five. Mm-hmm. And there's no cost of delivery there. So mm-hmm. That's right. See, once you generate a PDF or any kind of file format that goes, once you do that, you don't have to go through the printing process. You just give a copy of the file. And, you know, that saves you a whole boatload of money as far as that goes. You know, you've already done the work. 
Exactly. It saves you it on the front end and then it saves you on the back end too, because, and this is something I sort of found out the hard way with that, uh, that first Kickstarter that I did, you know, we printed, I printed 3000 books Mm -hmm. now, 3000 books in a spreadsheet, uh, doesn't sound like that much, Mm -hmm. but 3000 oversized hardcovers Mm -hmm. when you actually, uh, go to pick it up as I did having to rent a U-Haul and drive down to the port of Boston Mm -hmm. and then, (laughs) and, and then realize I'm standing in the front of two giant, uh, pallets Mm -hmm. that uh, are literally two tons worth of, of, uh, hardcover graphic novels. Yeah, that's that's a there's a cost there. There's a cost to move it, cost to transport it, mm-hmm. and then and then storage. You know, at the time I was living in a third floor apartment. What uh, oh. wasn't exactly going to carry all all uh, two tons of books oh. up to my apartment. So mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 there's a storage cost there, and then there's also inventory costs. You know, when you do pile up pile up stuff. At, at, the, as far as the IRS is concerned, that's an asset, a business asset. That's a taxable asset. So, um, I mean, th- those are all the reasons why digital <laughs> is is mm-hmm. is, uh, is pretty nice comparatively to to print. Even though, uh, when it comes down to it, you know, I'm still old school, and I, I you you can't uh, can't beat the the feel of a of print in your hand. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I also have come across as I talk to people creators as well as fans is that more and more people are abandoning and I don't, we don't want to have the, the fall of the local comic shop but they're going away from buying the comics through a weekly trip to the store and are actually buying almost exclusively their stuff through Kickstarter you know it's it's interesting um, I don't necessarily know that the, the Wednesday Warriors or the comic shop uh, patrons are all always the same um, mm-hmm. as as uh, as the people that are buying on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. uh, that they're the same audiences. And I can tell you, you know, diversity has been a big, just a big issue in comics. And people, you know, you hear and uh, we want more diversity, more diversity. And you ask creators at the end of the year, you know, what do you want to see more about comics in the following year? I want to see more diversity, more diversity. Well. There's de- plenty of diversity on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot more diversity than you'd find in most local comic shops that are sort of basically sticking with what Marvel and DC are putting out and a few other publishers, and and but not taking a lot of chances. So, I mean, Kickstarter does give it scratches a lot of itches and niches <laughs> um, mm-hmm. for. Uh, for a wider variety of of comics fans. Now, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, I'm I'm somebody that grew up reading Marvel and DC, and then Image was when I really at the the birth of Image really got me into into comics. Uh, There's just something about a brand new universe that was on the top of the sales charts. Um, just starting from scratch that I felt like I was in on the ground floor, which was incredibly powerful at the time for, for me, you know, mm-hmm. especially as I was, I was starting to create comics myself. Like, um, so I, I've always been a very mainstream, um, comic book fan and creator such to the point where I, I, I like many have dismissed stuff that's going on uh, in the web comic space a little bit and stuff, that, the stuff that's going on in the main bookstores um, where there are books that far outsell Marvel and DC, you know, mm-hmm. you diary, of the wimpy kid and, and Raina uh, tell tell my, my Jer's, uh, book smile and sisters like those things just crush <laughs> what uh, what Marvel and DC put out in terms of of, of sales, um, but don't get looked at or uh, a lot as uh, as 
quote unquote comics. So, but uh, you know, the, so the world of comics is a lot bigger and broader than uh, than just what goes on in the comic shop. I, I still think comic shops are incredible, and and uh, there there needs to be a place for community. And and I love that uh, their comic shops do things like the upcoming Halloween Comic Fest, mm-hmm. which Comics Tribe is actually a part of. We have um, we have two books in that program, so that that people that uh, people can get for free, mm-hmm. um, which we're excited about. Um, so so it's not to discount the comic shop at all. In fact, uh, but but the reality for us is, with the help of Kickstarter, we can put out graphic novels and hardcovers on par with anything that any of the big publishers do. And in some cases, w- w- when we overfund and we hit stretch goals, we can we can go above and beyond. We can add uh, add extra extra pages and we can add, make them oversized and we can make add spot UV treatments to the cover and really make them, make them shine. Um, we couldn't do that if we were only being supported by the direct market because the direct market doesn't support indies, uh, a- adequately enough for that to be the only place where you or the only channel that you work. So, um, we're sort of playing, playing in a system that's stacked against us but kickstarter definitely is a level uh, a playing field leveler well of course i just came from a convention in columbus ohio and i came across stuff that i didn't know existed because you know it's hard to find all these independent things you know the indie comics there's a lot of tremendous quality going on in the indie comics world but so often it's hard to to to, to locate and to find and you know kickstarter is a great way to do that and I just came away from there. I found some more books that I had never seen before. And I was like, man, I really like these books. You know, and I have to say, I, I lean more and more towards Kickstarter because of the variety. And you've got people who aren't, well, I don't want to necessarily put down DC or Marvel or anything, but they don't have to follow the rules that DC and Marvel have to. Right. They can yeah. do a, a, a beginning, middle, and end. You know, that, Batman's got to survive every month because he's got to go on, and he's gone on for as many years as he has, and is going to continue to go on. You can't do anything serious to Batman without the company proving it, of course. But what happens is you've got a story, and several of them just jump to mind right away, where it starts out, and you get to an end. You really actually see an end, and that is such a rare thing in comics these days. That you know, This is one of the things I think Kickstarter and the indie comics together allow you to get stories that are unlike what you're finding in the main companies. Oh, definitely. Uh, I mean, I think, I don't know if it was Brian Bendis or somebody said, but basically, you know, they say writing mainstream comics is like writing uh, you know it, it's perpetual second acts where where there's there's uh, they're always picking up and they're always but there's 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 never a, a true start and there's never a true end it just uh, it just and then and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened uh, let's take nothing against it and I, I I appreciate the serial storytelling especially when it's done well but you're right you know the the, the breadth of st- of storytelling that's possibilities that are out there when you don't have uh, uh, editorial mandates and studio mandates and and have to uh, keep a whole line uh, cohesive um, yeah you, you can you, you seek some pretty pretty amazing things um, and and so yeah so I mean I'm glad to hear that uh, you've sort of been spreading your wings a little bit and and uh, your tastes change like I you know when I was a kid I used to love fruity pebbles if I had had a had a bowl of that I think that my teeth would fall out right now if, if uh, it'd be too sweet for me but um, but yeah I, I think uh, 
that definitely is one of the advantages that, that Kickstarter brings. It, it, it attracts you or, or it, and, and the other thing that it does is that, that you can't get, uh, like, I, I mean, you probably had this experience and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you're walking around the convention. You're not just picking up books, handing $4 and walking away. Right. You're, right. you're, you're, t- you're talking to creators, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, pa- the the passion of a creator's and and uh, and the creator's ability to give you a pitch of their book mm-hmm. and just and just seeing that fire in their eyes for mm-hmm. it like like that helps that helps helps get you excited to read it right mm-hmm, of course see that's yeah. the thing if a creator can make a pitch and tell you what it is about this whole thing that got them excited to do it you know I, I, when you said that I thought of a couple of the creators I talked to this past weekend you could see the sparkle in their eyes when they say oh I get to talk about this and I get to tell you about my what I've done and I always think that that is that, that's something that you don't often get in the big 3 or big 5 or whatever they are now anymore but you can't you what you have to do is you get the books and you have to kind of glean that from the story but well well, well right or or like in the ideal world, world, you'd walk into your local comic shop and your comic uh, the retailer, who you have a you know on a first name basis, and you've been shopping them for years, he'll say to you, he'll say, hey, Wayne, you gotta check out this book, mm-hmm. Oxymoron. Oh my God, it's like what if what if the Joker came to a Gotham City and there was no Batman to stop him? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like like that's that's what you would hope would happen but unfortunately there's no way with 150 books coming out every single right, week right. there's no way a retailer can even scratch the surface on on that right. um and so that's why i mean independent creators i mean and i know a lot of independent creators they go to conventions they clean up mm-hmm. then they try to get their book in diamond and diamond will reject it though because not because diamonds me retailers, we're not going to sell enough of this. We can't sell enough of this. But I wanted to also recognize a couple of the names in your Comic Launch 50. There's Some of them I think are, are either established or big up-and-comers that I think it was great that you talked to. I think like Dirk Manning, who I talked with over the past weekend. Uh, one that I really think is, is, is uh, up-and-coming is James Hake, who does Solar Flare, which is a fantastic book. I, I call it Walking Dead with Science. <laughs> yeah, James... Book. James is a, a very smart dude, and uh, he was actually on the Comics Launch podcast uh, a little while ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, and Dirk as well. So uh, some of the some of those guys on the 50, uh, 50 Tips show. Uh, and if you guys want to just check that out, you can just go to comicslaunch.com forward slash fifty tips, mm-hmm. and you can actually get a get an ebook of all fifty tips if uh, if if anyone wants that. But um, but yeah, I mean. I, it's one of the great things about doing the show is it's allow, allowed me to expand my network of, of creators and, and peers uh, and connect with people um, on an even richer basis. And I do that at conventions and things. But but uh, as you probably found with the podcast, you know, that you can't beat getting into people's eardrums <laughs> once a week. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I've heard people say, hey, hey, Tyler, I know that voice. I know you. And and. I, I, I definitely really appreciate that, and I love pulling pulling creators that that are doing interesting things mm-hmm. and 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 taking an interesting and, and being serious about uh, their craft and 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 going after it. I, I love talking to them on the podcast because uh, it's not just about my voice and what works for me, but I I want to uh, cover the the broad spectrum because uh, what I've found is that despite the fact that 
about half of all comics Kickstarters that launch on Kickstarter end up failing. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is it's actually getting a little bit better. Um, I actually, I actually went and looked at it the day I, the day I recorded the first episode of the comics launch podcast, the, uh, success rate for comic book Kickstarters was like 49.95%. Uh, a little bit more than a year later, we're now at like 51.3% somewhere around there. So I'm not taking credit for all of it, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure we're not hurting. Right. See, that's good. (laughs) Now, I, I, of course I want people to go and listen and get the 50 tips that that are downloaded, but the things I, what I wanted to ask was a couple of things. What's, what is the biggest mistake that people getting into their very first Kickstarter make that you would caution people against? Well, I mean, the the big one is not doing their homework. Just just launching a Kickstarter uh, for for thrills um, and, or, or just to just to see what happens uh, and rushing it out the door. Um, you know, people are like the, the the expression "Don't judge a book by its cover." Well. We do that with comic books all the time. We will judge your comic by its cover. Mm-hmm. And likewise, we uh, backers are going to judge your Kickstarter by your Kickstarter page. Mm-hmm. And so I still, e- even despite me proselytizing and all the data that shows Kickstarter projects with videos are something like uh, you know three times more likely to be funded than those without – um, you know, people are still loading, uh, launching Kickstarters and not doing a video. Um, and, and, and so I think, I think taking the time in and, and treating your launch seriously and, and putting, uh, putting your best foot forward is, is a good one. Um, I think for comic book Kickstarters in particular, uh, you definitely need to need to put a certain amount of, uh, skin in the game. Mm-hmm before you launch. Mm -hmm. Um, and because there's an inverse relationship between, uh, how much you have done for your project Mm -hmm. and how risky your project is, not just for your backers, but for you as the creator, because, um, you know, I, I, and I've seen it all the time, you know, people, they, they launch their project and they only have a script and an artist attached. And they get even if and if they get funded, and that artist disappears, or then they're sort of in, in some cases they've they've already paid for partial art, and then have to go back and uh, and find a brand new artist and start from scratch, and then pay that artist again, and then all all of us and 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 so they're they're just behind the eight ball, and uh, and so you've seen a lot of creators make those kinds of mistakes, and so for me like the minimum I recommend is uh when you're going to sit let's say you're, you're trying to do a, a floppy like a, a standard single issue of comic mm-hmm. the minimum i recommend uh having done is the minimum that you would need to have done for any publisher mm-hmm. like i i say treat your potential kickstarter backers as you would a publisher so you want to have at least one cover uh, and a great cover image and then i want fully page uh, i want fully finished pages um if, if it, the book if the end book is going to be color i want at least five full color fully lettered uh sequential pages in a row that really would let me as a backer see okay can this person execute can this person tell a, tell a bit of a story i can tell i can tell in five pages whether or not you know what you're doing as a creator mm-hmm. and most and most backers can too mm-hmm. um and so 
so that that's sort of the bare minimum. But for me personally, I liked what I like to do is I like to be able to have just about everything done, if not everything done, and and really use the Kickstarter as uh, what I'm funding. There is I'm funding the print run and the distribution and and uh, and that. But I'm not I'm not I'm I'm putting the skin in the game to get the get the book on the creation side mm-hmm. complete because that's also going to help with your marketing and it's going to help with the confidence and it's going to mean you're going to be able to deliver the the rewards much much faster to backers. Mm-hmm. So that's that's sort of the main or or the the big if if we were just boiling it down to to one big thing mm-hmm. that would be that would be a mistake to definitely avoid. I saw a a, a Kickstarter project that I I don't know if it's genius or if it's crazy. They the person put the goal as $1. Yeah, I, I think uh, th- there have been a number of those, and I actually did a whole episode on the Comics Launch podcast about the $1 goal strategy. Hmm. Um, and and so what I found found from analyzing and, – and one thing that I did with Comics Launch and one thing that I try to make a hallmark of, of the show is I'm going to give you my opinion. I'm going to tell you what's worked for me from my nine successful projects that have raised over 220 thousand dollars from 4,500 backers. Like, so I, you know, it's not like I'm just spouting this out. Like I, I've done this, I put this stuff to, to work myself. Um, so I'm not just going to give you that. I'm, I'm, and I'm not just going to give you the work of the students that I've worked with. Cause I, I now, I have a course that I teach uh, a couple times a year and I have a number of students that have now gone through that course and launched their own successful Kickstarter projects. So I get to end up like not just working on my own projects, but I get to have my fingers and in and, and, coach up a lot of other projects. So I see a lot of stuff that goes on. But not only that, I actually had a, uh, I was able to pull a, do a data scrape and pull uh, data from every comic book Kickstarter that was launched between 2014 and 2015. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with all that data, uh, you, there's a lot of interesting things that you can find out by just crunching those numbers and looking at trends and things. And so um, what I did find with that dollar goal episode uh, and that dollar goal strategy is there was actually a, a large number of comic book Kickstarters that launched with a one dollar goal. Um, at least I think around forty or fifty. Um, and the interesting thing is that if you're going to do like a super low goal amount, mm-hmm. you're actually better off doing the one dollar goal than like a twenty five dollar goal or a fifty dollar goal. Mm-hmm. Um, $1 goals actually outperformed significantly um, other low-dollar amounts, hmm. um, which was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I sort of su- surmise of it is that it is a bit of a gimmick, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a gimmick, and I'd rather, as a creator, not rely on gimmicks mm-hmm. um, because uh, – I also have found, especially with a lot of uh, the campaigns that I've run, that actually having a goal that's a little bit of a stretch for you mm-hmm. makes it more likely that you're going to hit that. Hmm. Uh, and so, you know, there have been times on my campaigns where, you know, like the, the last campaign that I ran, um, one of the stretch goals was to beat <laughs> the previous high on the on the on the previous uh, campaign that we did and it was a different campaign with a lower price point mm-hmm. for the base item which was going to be tough it was so it was going to be tough to beat the, the the high on the previous campaign but i put it out there and i had a stretch goal for it 
And what do you know? Like we we craw- we we beat it within the last ten minutes of the campaign mm-hmm. and went five dollars above it. Oh. Now, had I not put that target mm-hmm. out there for the for the universe and for the world of backers to see, mm-hmm. would we have happened to just coincidentally beat it by five dollars? I don't think so. So mm-hmm. so by by setting the bar so low, like a one dollar goal, mm-hmm. you may actually be uh, cutting some enthusiasm rather than. Rather than taking advantage of it, but again, the psychology of it is pretty is pretty fascinating. Well, the benefit, of course, is you get that dollar. Anything that happens after that dollar, you get. You know, if you have a goal that's like, let's say, it's five thousand dollars, and you only get four thousand dollars, you're not going to see any of that. And that's right. However, statistically, mm-hmm. if you at any point in your campaign, if you're going for five thousand dollars, and at any point in your campaign you hit $4,000, mm-hmm. statistically, you have like a 95% chance of getting funded hmm. Bec- because there's, there's gravity. In fact, if you, uh, if, in fact, if you hit 30% funding mm-hmm. at any point during your campaign, statistically, you have a 90% chance of getting funded. Hmm. So what, what we've actually found by looking at the data is that either <laughs> campaigns miss wildly mm-hmm. or they're fun or, or they get funded. Mm-hmm. And the the stat that baffles me baffles the mind for me, but it's it's true is that even still today, uh, some nine percent of Kickstarter projects fail to get a single backer hmm. or raise you know ze- they raise zero percent funding. Wow! wow. Which so that that just shows there's a lot of ill conceived projects getting going going up and a lot of people that aren't um, aren't that launch, but then have no plan to Mm. get it in front of anybody. Because the reality is there's not these Kickstarter backers that are just floating around Kickstarter (laughs) waiting for your project to launch. Mm -hmm. Now there are people that do look on Kickstarter Mm -hmm. and there are people that, but the only way that they will come across your project is if your project bubbles to the top of Kickstarter Mm -hmm. and has some momentum behind it. And Mm -hmm. so that's why, um, you know, the, the, the not so secret secret of crowdfunding is that you got to have the crowd first before the funding comes. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's actually one of the reasons. So, so one of the things that I did the beginning of this year, um, when I launched the first version, I, d- I did a pilot version of the comics launch course, mm-hmm. which is where I was like, okay, well, I've done the podcast and I put out a lot of stuff, but but could I actually take a small group of creators and and have them work together, uh, sort of each on their own campaigns, every, with my coaching and, and sort of teaching them uh, the strategies and mindset and tactics that I work and how I build campaigns from the ground up from start to finish, mm-hmm. and then have them launch mm-hmm. and all and 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 would there be sort of advantages to launching? But not just launching alone, but but launching in a group, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and having other creators that that have been watching their projects develop over time and sort of having their back, because um, you know I've surveyed the comics launch audience, and and still about um, sixty sixty five percent of my audience has never launched a Kickstarter project, mm-hmm. and the other thirty five percent have, mm-hmm. and. Um, and so, so there's uh, that. So that was one thing that uh, surprised me. But another thing that surprised me was of the 35 percent that have launched Kickstarter projects, even those that were successful, uh, uh, so many of them talked about 
just all, how how much of a struggle it was to launch their Kickstarter, <laughs> and 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 like the the feeling of loneliness <laughs> uh, came up a lot when they're launching, and you know, and feel and and I and I've been there, you know, you, you're you're in the middle of your campaign, mm-hmm. you've you've done what you could do to get the launch and get the word out, and it, it's things have slowed down, and you feel like you've been you're a broken record talking about this thing, so you know, and but one of the things that I, I definitely found and and the the students in the in this pilot version of the course found was that um, you know doing it and having a community of fellow course mates sort who either have have launched last month or are going to be launched in a couple months having them have your back you sort of have, have that built-in support system that really makes it I'm not going to say it makes it easy but it makes it um, like you don't you don't have that that loneliness and when you want to get feedback on should i do this stretch goal or should i do uh this reward or i've got this update and i'm trying to figure out how to word that and then being able to get that feedback sort of within the the bounds of the course just made a big difference Mm -hmm. um but one of the things that i found and that surprised me and shocked me was that nobody in the course at the start of the course had even had uh, like even had a email list of their fans hmm. that they were communicating with regularly hmm. like uh, of the eight people that I had nobody was communicating on a regular basis through email with their fan base hmm. um, and that <laughs> if I could get in a time machine mm-hmm. and tell young Tyler <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what I know now mm-hmm. I would have said Tyler at 12 years old Start building that fan base and build it via an email list. Mm-hmm. I don't care if AOL is uh, mm-hmm. is still screeching over your landline. Like mm-hmm. build that email list. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so, what I actually did because because you know, and so so in the comics launch course, obviously, I'm like, okay, well, none of you guys have an email list, but you guys do have fans. You do have people in your life. You do have uh, prospective backers. Let's let's pull together that email list and let's start you know doing a pre-launch um, buzz building campaign uh, through email. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the reality is, you know, if you're starting an email list from scratch, it's only going to get so big before and and you're planning on launching in in a month. Well, there's only so much that you can do. So what I, I decided to do uh, recently was um, create a, a new sort of precursor course to the comics launch course called List Launch, which is all about how to uh, start and grow an email list, list up to 1,000 uh, rabid fans, 1,000 engaged fans or more, um, such so that when you do launch that Kickstarter project, mm-hmm. you can launch and 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 get that fire started immediately, which is then going to attract the Waynes of the world and the and the people <laughs> of uh, who who are are looking for projects to to get on Kickstarter, love supporting independent creators, but aren't going to see it unless uh, some smoke is made by the fire that uh, gets ignited by your existing fan base. Mm-hmm. It, it just makes sense. You've got to use particularly social media, Facebook, Twitter, all those kinds of things. You've got to develop a fan base on there, and you do updates. Some people have likened Kickstarter to like having a baby. You know, you, you fret and you fret and you fret, and then finally the thing comes to fruition. And, of course, that's not the end. That's only the beginning. And so I, I, all that kind of stuff is, it, it's not that you poke it out there and you sit back and say, well, you know, I'll check back in 30 days and see what happened. You've got to be working just as hard while it's up there, probably even more so than when you were preparing for all of this. Oh, yeah. But but I'll tell you, I mean, fulfillment, like, fulfillment still is and usually is the, the most difficult um, part of the campaign. 
uh, doesn't necessarily have to be. And in fact, you know, I mean, I, I, to- I talked about moving all the all those three tons of books. Well, uh, I learned my lesson that first campaign. I've never had to do that again. Um, <laughs> now, now I outsource uh, the bulk of my fulfillment uh, to Amazon fulfillment, uh, and I save money in the process hmm. and save save you know hundreds of hours wow. <laughs> in the process as well and wow. i also don't drive drive my wife uh, absolutely insane by turning <laughs> turning our house into a uh, a shipping depot mm-hmm. that's, that's really interesting see all these little things are things that uh, people ha- we learn by doing uh, oftentimes in these things that's why it's good folks like you are going out and telling people things about kickstarter now i did want to ask though because you've got the 50 tips from the 50 outstanding creators was there any one of those tips that surprised you getting them together so it's a good question i mean so what i've been doing now uh we're talking about social media well i've been taking those tips and um and and sort of putting them in circulation into my social media and sort of breaking them out into little quotes and including and and sort of tweeting out some of the some of the twip uh some of the tips as quotes and one of the tips was uh a tip that uh where the the, the person's advice was you know don't 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 feel bad about uh sort of talking about your project all day every day on on twitter uh people can always unfollow you. Uh, it, it just get, let it get the word out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I shared that tip, um, because I, I, I like sharing the perspectives of others mm-hmm. and had a, uh, some seriously, uh, negative reaction from a few creators who were like, no, that I, I hate seeing that. That's awful advice. Those are terrible, you know, <laughs> terrible advice. And, you know, and, and so I, like, part of me was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't share that. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Actually, controversial, <laughs> controversial stuff is good. That's a good mm-hmm. engagement. I, I like people being fired up and, and, and arguing and debating. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, here's here's where I come down on that, and and this is something that I've sort of had to learn a little bit over time. Um, first of all, I think t- like if Twitter is your main plan for getting the word out about your Kickstarter, you've you've already lost hmm. Be- the the conversion rate from a tweet to a back on Kickstarter is very, very poor. Really? Very, 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 very low. Wow. And well, it's for, it's for good reason though. I mean, the life lifespan of a tweet is like 26 minutes Hmm. and it's likely to be seen by maybe 3% of your feed. Mm -hmm. So if it's going to last for 26 minutes and get in front of 3% of your feed, and if you only have, I mean, most creators that I know have under 3000 followers. Mm-hmm. So just do the math mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the, and the conversion rate is like less than 1% will actually go from a tweet to back your project. Mm-hmm. So, so in that regard, if, if the thing's only going to be seen by 3% of your feed and, uh, it's only going to last for 26 minutes, well, Obviously, you should. <laughs> you're probably going to have to do more than a couple tweets a month mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. to get any to get any bang out mm-hmm. of out of your uh, your stuff. So, and so that's and so that's that's where the email list comes comes down really because wow. if you if you want to look at anything where where backers actually come from, mm-hmm. it's it's your email list. Hmm. Hmm. One of the things I really like now you've opened up the question to me: What's the best social media platforms to use? Right. So, well, so I mean, Facebook is Facebook's the best 
platform, the best social media platform uh, by far. I mean, it's just it's it's not even close um, in terms of analytics, in terms of uh, what what you can do. And their ad platform is the single greatest tool uh, for marketers that's ever existed, I believe. <laughs> I mean, wow. because, because and, and the reason for that is, is the targeting. Mm-hmm. So for, so for example, um, you know, I, uh, we have a, a series called C is for Cthulhu, mm-hmm. which is a children's uh, ABC board book. Uh, it started out as an ABC board book mm-hmm. uh, based on the work of HP Lovecraft, but done in a very all ages friendly, uh, very, very attractive um, painterly style by artist Greg Murphy. And it's written by Jason Cherimella. Well, I can go on Facebook and say, hey, I want you to put uh, this. I, I want, I'm, we're going to give away this free book. But I only want you to put it in front of uh, people who, like Cthulhu or H.P. Lovecraft, are between the ages of 24 and 48 and have, ha- and have a kid, have either a newborn, a, a kid 1 to 3, a kid 3 to 5, or a kid 5 to 7. Mm-hmm. And, and in the United States, Canada, Australia, and uh, the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Go. And it turns out there's 100,000 people or 120,000 people or 150,000 people that fit that description. <laughs> and I can, I can put that, that all, I can put an ad in front of uh, them uh, and how do you think that ad's going to do? Mm-hmm. And, and what you find is, is, is uh, when it's a really well-targeted ad, what do people do on social media? Well, then they share it and they tag their friends in the post mm-hmm. and you don't pay for any of that. Mm-hmm. And so – and so, um, so yeah, so so we've the the C is for Cthulhu brand uh, has been able to be built based on uh, the components of that is, is Facebook mm-hmm. uh, doing targeted ads on Facebook that drive people to a free book, mm-hmm. which gets them on our email list, which we can then send them to to our store, to Amazon, or to Kickstarters when we launch Kickstarters, mm-hmm. and and that in about two years has done you know, it's closing in on one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in sales. Wow. Wow. There's so much good information, but uh, I, I do want to wrap it up by asking you a question. Of course, uh, knowing as much as you do about Kickstarter and you know, being involved with it, where do you see Kickstarter going in the future? Where are we going to be, like, say, five or ten years from now? What's Kickstarter going to be like, and, and is it going to remain as an important part of comics as it is now? Yeah, I mean, the, the question of is there a Kickstarter bubble mm-hmm. <laughs> is has uh, is, is come up a lot, but I don't see any. I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. I mean, I I I ask creators every every time I have them on the podcast what what's one thing they'd like to see improve in the platform, mm-hmm. um, and and by and large, the platform itself has been pretty stable since I've been on it, mm-hmm. uh, with just small tweaks and small improvements made here and there. So I think that's where it's going to continue to go. Uh, I'd like to see them uh, do a little bit more with um, sort of rewarding backers that um, that back a ton of Kickstarter projects because, I mean, there are backers out there that have backed over a thousand Kickstarter projects. I'd like to see them, you know, provide some incentives for those backers or some other things like that. That would be nice. Um, there's also uh, – but, but yeah, I, I see Kickstarter continuing to be uh, – 
because as I said, you know, I, I talk to a lot of creators. I have a lot of listeners that are creators on the Comics Launch podcast, mm -hmm. and uh, still uh, a good sixty to sixty-five percent of them still haven't launched a Kickstarter yet. <laughs> and I know plenty of creators that I've been watching their work, and they've been doing great work for several years now, and they're just launching their first Kickstarters this year. So. Um, I, while when when you launch a Kickstarter or you back Kickstarters a lot, mm -hmm. you you tend to think the whole world knows about Kickstarters. But <laughs> you know it's 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 the reality is if uh, if Kickstarter were, were a toddler, it'd only be seven years old. You'd still be sending it to to grade school with uh, with a change of underwear just in case they <laughs> they have an accident. So it's it's still still very young, and and um, I think the. It, there's still a lot of room for it to grow, and 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 it's here to stay. Because we referred people to Kickstarter.com as the place to go. And man, Tyler, all kinds of great information. I could talk to you for hours about this good stuff. <laughs> but what we should do? Let's talk again. Give people directions on how to get to your comic company. Yeah, so uh, comicstribe.com is uh, our, our website. There's a lot of resources for creators on there if you're looking to uh, be a writer or artist or small press publisher. Um, but if Kickstarter is your thing, uh, definitely go to comicslaunch.com. I have a special uh, – If uh, one place to start would be to go to comicslaunch.com forward slash five things. That's comics with an X. So C-O-M-I-X launch.com slash number five things. And that will give you a little uh, five things you absolutely positively must do before you launch. A little checklist. So that, that's a good resource for people. And then um, for those of you that are comic fans, I know, I know Wayne is, uh, I'd love to give uh, five free uh, number ones to you. Um, if you go to comicstribe.com forward slash subscribe. We'll send you the first issue of five of our top selling titles so you can get a real sense of what our books are all about. Oh, wow, that's great. Good stuff. Well, Tyler, man, you're doing great stuff. I, we'll have to talk again sometime because, man, I've, I've got hundred more questions that I had when we started. Yeah, so. and uh, I'd love it if uh, one of our creators, John Lees, who uh, is writing the upcoming uh, book, Quilt, mm -hmm. which will be a Halloween fest, co Halloween comic fest free book that people can get at their local comic book shops uh, the, the, the week of Halloween. Oh. Uh, maybe, maybe he's somebody you'd, you'd want to talk to. He's got a great Scottish accent, and you can talk. Uh, <laughs> he can get push you on, put, put you on more uh, great horror comics because that's sort of uh, one of his areas of expertise. Okay, well, definitely make that happen because you know as you get closer to those times you always like to do sort of uh, specific things that people could do for upcoming holidays or events and stuff like that so we'll do that so tyler thanks so much man wow full of all kinds of information i i, I stopped taking notes a long time ago because i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't take any more notes it was going so good and there was so much going on so again tyler james and comics tribe and comics launch podcast man keep up the great work and we'll have to keep in touch we'll do this again sometime Thanks, Wayne. Definitely, and and thanks again for all you do to uh, highlight not just the the big Marvel and DCs of the world, but uh, independent creators that are out there uh, really building a robust and diverse industry. I really appreciate you and your voice. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne, as a man. I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed. But as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. 
that's a wrap for this week's episode. Be back next week when there'll be plenty more to talk about in the comics universes. But until then, keep reading your comics.